And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Hagman Report, we're coming to you live from the Radio and Television Studios here in beautiful Northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast live weekly, every weeknight, weekly, yeah, right, every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be, Global Star, that is, shows like uh, Ted Brower's show, Health Masters, uh, as well as Dave Hodges and others. Also, we're simulcast on BTR, Blog Talk Radio, and, of course, you can watch us live on YouTube. Joe's got the night off tonight. Uh, and, uh, however, we got an information packed show for you. Just a tremendous show for you. First up is Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us. You know, so much going on in the world. And, uh, he wrote a, a couple of books. I happen to, I, I was looking at these books today. Uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. And, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, the original. These are two different books, same title, but completely different books. And uh, as well, he had um, a mass awakening, which I, I had the pleasure and honor to write the forward to. And as I looked through the Prophecy of the Future of America books that he wrote, I could see some parallels of what's taking place today with the with the protests, with the with the riots across the country. And early this morning, I spoke with. Uh, my source in Washington, D.C., again, um, wanting to give me additional information about what's taking place. Watch the, uh, the, the palace coup as much as you're watching the, the coup that's taking place or the, the visible riots. The visible riots is, they're one thing. The internal workings is quite another. That's quite another. And that, more on that later. Um, Whenever Paul's ready, just give me a, let me know, and we'll, he is ready. Paul. All right. Well, that's good. We're going to be getting right in, right with Paul, because there's so much information to get to, to talk over with Paul. He has not been on, of course, since, uh, the election. Excuse me. And we need to, uh, we need to get his insight from a, not just a, uh, not just a geopolitical, but a biblically prophetic viewpoint. Paul. PaulMcGuire.us. Paul McGuire, how are you, sir? Hey, Doug, how are you? Um, Good. I have a lot. I have a lot on my mind. So, uh, with your permission, I'll just begin. I guess. Please do. Let's rock. Okay. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot, writing about it a lot, and we just finished our brand new DVD, which we finished after the election. Uh, called America, What's Going to Happen Next, which deals with exactly what's going to be happening in our nation now that the election has happened. But the first thing I want to say is that, okay, so I believe that it was an act of incredible God's grace that Donald Trump was elected, and despite his imperfections, we have to remember that the greatest man in the the Bible, besides Jesus Christ, the only man in the Bible that God calls 
a man after his own heart <clears throat> is King David, and King David uh, committed adultery and murdered and lied. Now, that doesn't justify uh, adultery and murder, but still, God called him uh, the only one he called a man after his own heart. And David was a warrior, and David was um, a, a brilliant military planner, a strategist, uh, and highly creative. Now, um, those kinds of personalities that are bold uh, leaders, that are not afraid to go against the majority, uh, you know, they have, a, they have a good side of their personality and a bad side. The good side is that they're aggressive, they get things done, and they can charge right into battle, which is what Trump has done. But um, the, what, what goes with the territory psychologically is they can be somewhat impulsive or whatever. But having said that, uh, uh, Donald Trump didn't commit adultery and Donald Trump didn't murder anybody. Uh, the very worst that can be said about him is that he made some highly vulgar comments, which I don't even want to talk about because as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's over and not even worth discussing uh, because it's completely different than actually doing things that other people do and they're not getting called on the carpet at all for it. So Trump has come into power and we're seeing the counterattack and, and people need to recognize that part of warfare we have won perhaps the most significant spiritual battle uh, for the history of our nation, for the future of our nation since 1776. This is the most significant spiritual battle that has been won. I believe God's hand is on Trump and has been on Trump because that's the man God choose, chose to uh, create a, a law-abiding revolution that would return our uh, nation into uh, America being great again, America having its freedoms restored, uh, freedom of religion, and freedom to make money and to destroy the, uh, the evil occult globalist trade treaties. So having said that, we should not be surprised that even though a monumental victory has been won, we are now in the all-out counterattack uh, stage of this uh, uh, spiritual war. And all hell is breaking loose. The mass media did not miss a beat. They were 24-7 attempting to psychologically assassinate Trump and bring him down through media imagery. And now, without missing a beat, they're 24-7 attempting to destroy uh, Donald Trump psychologically in the eyes of the American public. The media single-handedly uh, is fueling these demonstrations. Without the media, the demonstrations would dry up in an hour. So the media is directly responsible for fueling and driving and energizing all these protests. Without the media, the protests would go away immediately. And the other um, invisible hand that is directly responsible for fueling, energizing, coordinating, and financing the counterattack through these uh, eruption of demonstrations is the uh, wealthy billionaires uh, who are financing hundreds of activist groups. These are the front men of the globalist elite billionaires, and they have... Uh, a massive national organizational structure 
of professional radical activists that are highly trained. They've been in the business of uh, demonstrations for 40 years. They're using uh, the tried and true proven techniques of Marxist uh, strategy, uh, manufactured chaos. Uh, they're using the exact same strategy that I saw them use when I was, once upon a time in America, a naive uh, college student, like the naive college students I'm watching on television, um, I was naively uh, made a participant in these anti-war demonstrations in Washington, D.C. and New York City. I was gung-ho for this ambiguous uh, uh, revolution, and I was being manipulated by the exact same forces that these students are being manipulated now. And then I grew up and, and I began to realize the, the, the plan behind it and how I was a pawn. So they are using the exact same strategies, except they have a, a very powerful weapon on their side right now. And that is back then when I was doing it, we didn't have social media. We didn't have Twitter and Facebook and uh, blog sites, et cetera, et cetera. So within 24 hours, you can have demonstrations launched all across the United States simply by using your Twitter account, social media, Facebook, or whatever. So the game plan here is to cause riots, uh, to focus the media attention on it. And so it's like a symbiotic relationship. You see the media promoting the riots, uh, the media covering the riots, and then the, the, all the conversations that the media is engaging in are based on the content of what the demonstrators are saying. Now, um, so that's this is the primary counterattack, and that's to undo what Trump has done. The second part of the counterattack is these um, uh, very powerful... Uh, globalist elite that exists in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. They're still there in Washington, D.C. They're doing everything they possibly can to get high-level positions in Trump's administration, uh, everything from the judiciary uh, on down. And many of these men are traitors. Uh, that they, they are globalists first. They are not pro-America. They have been guilty of selling our nation down the river through trade treaties, and they will continue to do so. So the globalist elite, which embodies itself in the international bankers and the financial institutions and Wall Street, and they're the ones behind the trade treaties, are still full speed ahead with the trade treaties, and the trade treaties are designed to circumvent the Constitution of the United States to circumvent the will of the people, to bring America down to a third world state, a communist Marxist state, to continue to bankrupt the middle class and the working class, and to force America to become a third world nation, part of their uh, one world government and one world economic system. And these globalist elite own these six corporations that control the media. So we see all this confusion in Washington as the elite or their proxies position themselves for power. So nobody should be surprised at the fierceness of the counterattack. Uh, what we need to be uh, aware of is that 
we should know the counterattack was coming. We should know that the counterattack is going to continue for a long while. We've we've won a massive victory, but this uh, spiritual war is going to continue a long time. And it's our job to recognize that this is not all about winning one uh, major battle. Uh, this is all about being uh, committed to a long-term struggle that will involve a successive series of strategic battles in which we will definitely win if we will be committed and believe what we claim to believe, which is that, that the personal living God of the universe sits on the throne of the universe, and that, I say this with all my heart, God has a plan for America, and in the last days... We're in the last days, and God's primary plan for America is to raise up America once again to be a national and global platform for winning millions of souls to Jesus Christ in the last day's soul harvest, to make disciples of all nations, and to occupy until he comes and do business until he comes. So God wants to raise up America to do this because America is the only nation that can do it, because we have whatever is left of a legal structure in terms of a constitution, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. We have, uh, we're the only nation on earth that still has the economic prosperity to preach the gospel globally. And we have the will and, and Bible training to do it. And we have the technology to do it. So that's God's primary goal is this last day's soul harvest. And he's raising up America as the key nation in causing that to happen. And that's the central theme behind the globalist elite battle, the battle for our freedoms, the economic battle. Essentially, we're in an all-out spiritual war between a Luciferian, satanic, globalist elite and those people that believe in God, freedom of religion, capitalism, uh, and the preaching of the gospel. This is an all-out struggle between these two sides, and it simply happens to be manifesting in a media war, in a demonstration war, in an elite war, and uh, uh, other avenues of that nature. I, I have to admit, Paul, initially, when you had said, going back to earlier now, when you had said that uh, you know God has special plans for America, when you were talking about that, when you first began talking about that, I had my doubts. Now I'm looking at this. I'm not doubting you anymore. I didn't really doubt you uh, 100%. I was just thinking, man, you know, that just sounds like a long shot. And, and mentally, I suppose I put God in the box, you know, um, in, in my way. Not really understanding, for example, that uh, God can work wonders and, and God does not, uh, it cannot be confined to a box. That's number one. Number two, what you were saying earlier on as well about the media propelling these riots, and, and riots is the term, not, not protests, but riots. When you start beating people up, you know, breaking things, causing millions of dollars of damage, these are riots. And they're gonna, I, I do believe they're going to continue because the media, of course, is captured by by the globalists. And thirdly, and, and this is something you just mentioned, and I need to ask you about this. You know, the headline on Drudge right now, Romney being considered for Secretary of State position. I looked at that, and I can't repeat what I said when I saw it, because <laughs> this is radio. Right. Terrestrial radio. 
<laughs> but uh, are you kidding me? Okay, that's uh, it's kind of what I'm thinking. So is is that, for example, are these the battles, the the, uh, the push toward you know the Trump access, the push toward uh, these vital positions? Uh, Satan. I was talking to Pastor Langford this morning, and uh, he was telling, he's saying, you know, the how, how Satan works his way to those that are closest to you. Is mm-hmm. this kind of what's going on here, perhaps? Uh, that 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 the that the um, the evil one <laughs> is is trying to I don't know stack the deck. Well, those, there's those a number are... of things. There's a number of things uh, going on. And I saw the same headline that you saw. First, we have to recognize that Donald Trump needs <clears throat> literally a massive army of prayer warriors and intercessors for himself, his administration, his family, so that he makes the wise decisions and that he hears from the Lord and he has discernment. We, we, we can never succumb to the propaganda of the uh, uh, media, uh, which would cause us to stop praying for him and engaging in spiritual warfare on his behalf. Um, because behind it all is the spiritual warfare. Now, having said that... <clears throat> I can only assume that Trump, well, we know for a fact that Trump is a brilliant strategist and he's a strategic thinker. Um, so we can never assume that he's making a, a decision based on merely accommodation. He's dealing with a very complex environment where there's a, a massive power struggle. And I never believed for a moment that he was going to get in there and be able to accomplish everything he wanted to accomplish easily. I always knew that he would have to make a certain amount of compromises. People may not like that word, but uh, he will have to make a certain amount of compromises. So this either means that he is willing to make the compromise of accepting Romney uh, and focus his energies uh, and accomplish other strategic goals by, in a sense, giving them that and and yet going around it anyway. In other words, it, it appears on one le- level that he's accommodating and appeasing. Well, he may be accommodating and appeasing, but I doubt very seriously that he's selling out. It's more of a strategic, even in his mind it may be a strategic token appeasement, even though the title is huge. And then the other thing is that he may simply be floating that uh, and then yank back on it. But let's say sure. let's say he goes with it. I don't believe for a minute that he uh, is going to surrender his goals, but I do believe that he has to strategically make alliances um, that are unpleasant so that he can accomplish the big goals. I don't think he's uh, um, kept his eye off the big goals, but without a certain amount of compromise, without a certain amount of assimilation with with people who are sellouts, he will, he won't be able to do anything because his own party will will just shut him down. So um, my True. expectation is that this is a strategic move. It's calculated. It's risky, um, but he knows what he's doing. I don't think he just, if he does it, he didn't do it just because he was pressured and he's selling out. He's like playing uh, poker. Uh, he's he's realizing uh, 
he's, he's willing to sacrifice some things in order to win the big things. And, and I don't think we can underestimate his, his sophistication and strategy. As shocking as that may seem, we can't, but see, as shocking as it seems, and it, it seems on, at face value really horrific and it turns your stomach, um, I don't think we should assume that he's selling out. I, I, we need to, he, we need to understand that he is in, there is no president in the history of the United States. There's no man in our history that has ever been given so much power and yet faces such a wall of, of, uh, unified, uh, diametrically hostile opposition. He's being opposed by the mass media owned by the global elite, the entire mainstream media, with a few people as an exception, are totally at war with him. They're trying, trying to bring him down. The Republican elite are at war with him and trying to bring him down, his own party. The Democratic elite are unified and trying to bring him down. Um, <clears throat> the trade treaties and the globalists and the international bankers and and his dueling with the Federal Reserve are trying to bring him down. So he is surrounded by adversaries at, at every point on the battlefield, with the exception of the people who put him in office and believe in him. Now, those are impossible odds. So he has to take what he has as a strategist and say, I may have to compromise here, and and my people and run the risk that his people may totally under, misunderstand him, but in his mind he's already mapped out a path to a far far greater victory than the apparent loss of giving in uh, regarding Romney. And that's that's true because um, I, I guess the only way that I can say this, of course, you know, uh, uh, Paul, uh, uh, Trump has had dialogue with. Uh, Alex Jones from Infowars, and I've had dialogue with Alex Jones, and folks do the math, all right? Uh, one thing that I can say about Trump that I would believe to be true based on this kind of an odd arrangement here of communication is uh, a mantra that we that we use, and that's uh, keep your friends close and your enemies under surveillance. And, and that kind of is was my takeaway from something that was told to me that I don't, I mean, I feel comfortable saying that. I just don't feel comfortable the route, you know, in, in exposing the complete route that that, that, that statement was made. However, uh, people can extrapolate just from what I said. So yes, um, and, and he's thinking five steps ahead, playing chess while the rest of the, uh, the, 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 uh, politicians are playing checkers. And, yeah, uh, right, right. Yeah, okay, all right. So, so this is good, okay. Um, you mentioned, so, go, go on, right. go on. All right, no. so, so on that, so, so we have that dynamic on one hand. Now, here's something else that we have to, 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 to like revisit in our minds constantly. We've never had a president before who so boldly ran on a platform that was clearly for the people. And clearly, it is absolutely clearly a terrifying threat to the globalist elite and to the elite in our media, the elite in our political parties, it, and, and, and to the elite in our intelligence communities. So 
what should be obvious proof to every one of your listeners, if they have suspicions or questions regarding Trump, is this. Why is it that every single power center in the United States, uh, controlled by the globalist elite, that every single power center, without exception, is totally dedicated to his destruction. That tells us that he is the only candidate that they perceive to be a very serious threat to their globalist agenda, because every gun is aimed at him. That, that, that declares who he really is. See, his enemies understand far better, I think, than many of his supporters do about who Trump is and what Trump intends to accomplish. And they see him as a threat to their agenda. And that's another way of saying if Trump is a clear and present danger to their agenda, then he is definitely a champion of our rights, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. He's against globalism. And he's a champion of we the people. And the proof of the fact that he's a champion of we the people is that absolutely everybody in America is against the guy. Indeed. And, and the, we have to remember, and I think this is important, we have to remember the ground that was covered uh, in the last 18 months. I, I, that's in, a, in and of itself to me is supernatural or divine in terms, you know, of, of the inspiration because, uh, I mean, th- think, think 18 months ago, uh, 24 months ago, if, if any one of us would have said, uh, two years ago, if anyone would have, uh, any, any of us would have said that Trump was going to be elected president of the United States, uh, there would be laughter heard, you know, throughout. So, yeah, we're talking, right. folks, you know, we're talking with Paul McGuire. Paul, uh, his website, paulmcguire.us, paulmcguire.us. Folks, bookmark that website. Check out his articles right on the money all the time. That's paulmcguire.us. And certainly, if you don't have his books, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016, 2017, Prophecy of the Future of America, other books as well, get your hands on them because they're very relevant to what's taking place right now. Uh, I mean, he called it. This guy, this guy called it. And when on the other side, we're just going to let him keep going because he's he's on fire. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. Uh, uh, two websites, HagmanReport.com and HagmanAndHagman.com, the former for news information and the latter for show. Of the Hagman and Hagman Report, very special guest Paul McGuire, PaulMcGuire.us, the guy that really, you know what, he nailed it. Of all the guests that we've had on, uh, Steve Quayle as well, but Paul McGuire really drove it home uh, from day one, saying, you know, this is going to happen, and here it is. And it's the same with his books too. So if you want to get blessed, you got to read his books: Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016, 2017. Prophecy of the Future of America. I mean, I'm blessed by what I've read, and he's been right on the money. Now, I'm I'm going to shut up and let him keep going because time is short. His words are 
a lot weightier than mine. Paul, to you, sir. Okay, uh, Doug, thank you for those kind words. Um, Megan Kelly, Fox News, she, according to her own words, studies Dianetics, L. Ron Hubbard's book on Scientology. <clears throat> she um, has this book out, which she's promoting on all the liberal television networks like CNN and CBS. And it's a very interesting trade-off. She's getting a lot of extra publicity for her book because her book contains a lot of attacks on Donald Trump. So when you see her on these liberal network shows, a great deal of the interview time uh, is given to her being used to attack Trump. So I don't know whether she's aware of it. I assume she is. But she's trading uh, her attacks uh, on Trump uh, for publicity time of, of her book. So the, the other networks are using her to attack Trump because she attacks Trump in her books. Now, um, there's a lot of things happening here. The corruption in the networks is, is, is staggering. I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the uniform single-mindedness and uh, the, their strategy of talking points is designed to wipe out Trump. But let's go back to the demonstrations for a moment. We're in a very serious place in America, and I, I warned about this in my first book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. I warned about it in uh, Mass Awakening that you wrote the forward to, and I warned about it in the new A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, and the new 3DV three DVD set which just came out the other day America what's going to happen next and and here's the warning brainwashing propaganda scientific mind control indoctrination that's what we're seeing in the thinking of the media people they've been brainwashed but it's also when you see all these demonstrators they have they have been given over scientifically to what we would call a group mind, groupthink, or a hive mind. They all think the same. They're hysterical tears regarding the loss of, of Hillary, as if Hillary was the Messiah, as a product of brainwashing. But the thing that you, you discover uniformly, every time a, 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 a network person sticks a microphone in front of one of these students... Almost without exception, these student demonstrators uh, don't say very much, but they list out like five or six bullet point statements such as Donald Trump is a misogynist, Donald Trump is a, a racist, Donald Trump is uh, this or that. But all these bullet point words are, are, are specific violations of the of the brainwashing code of political correctness. Now, at first, I, it didn't quite hit me, but then after watching about 50 of these spontaneous interviews on TV, I began to notice that every single student, no matter what their race or sex was, they they didn't explain anything. They simply listed in a repetitive manner these bullet points, like he's a misogynist, he's a racist and all the other clever, uh, politically correct terms that have been pounded into their heads in the universities. So we see in these universities, which is, which is a hotbed 
of Marxist indoctrination for the last 50 or 60 years, the, the brainwashing over these students is so intense, they know nothing about history, they know nothing about economics, they know nothing about anything, but they can rattle off these uh, phrases like misogynist. I guarantee you that a year ago, 70% of the population of America and probably 80% of the population of, of college uh, campuses could not tell you what the word misogynist meant. That right. is an archaic word that they resurrected, you know, and, and yet they rattle it off like bullet points because <clears throat> they are brainwashed and they, they, and they, and they manifest all the very dangerous uh, 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 at attributes of a brainwashed group. They are emotionally volatile. You see that they're on the edge of violence. They're irrational. They can't think clearly or logically. They're totally emotional and feeling, uh, ex experiential in terms of their feeling. Uh, they're potentially violent and they have no knowledge of history, they have no ability to critical, critically think, and these are these mobs that the media is raising up all across America, and the billionaires that are organizing the demonstrations uh, are playing on these key brainwashing words. But what I found also very interesting is, is the media personalities, that some of them are quite a bit older, they're in their 60s or older or 50s or 40s, they're equally uh, repeating, you know, the, the brainwashing terms. So what we have in America right now is very dangerous. We were warned it was going to happen. I quote these people in my earlier books um, and document how this brainwashing would occur. That with through the, the Huxleys, Aldous Huxley, the scientific dictatorship, his brother Julian Huxley, who headed up UNESCO. UNESCO is the United Nations or, uh, arm which controls all education on planet Earth, and they created Common Core like 35, 40 years ago. And their goal was, was to create a one-world socialist government. So these masses of demonstrators are all one-world socialists. They're, they're anti-hard uh, work. They believe in collectivism, groupthink. And it's a very dangerous phenomenon because when you strip it to its bare necessities, they are very, very much like Nazis. They are religious zealots that don't claim to be religious. They're right on the edge of violence. And they're fascists. And it wouldn't take much to push these demonstrators over the edge. And the next thing you know, they have guns and bombs, and they're killing people. So this is a very dangerous phenomenon uh, that's being manipulated by the globalist elites. Now, the other thing we have to remember is that, again, the, the enemies of Christianity, the enemies of freedom, the enemies of capitalism... They seem to know very clearly who the real threats are. While Christians are are, are, are besides themselves wondering whether or not uh, Trump is of God or Trump is a, is a good leader, while they're self-doubting and questioning, the media and the elite are in total agreement that he is their biggest threat, and they're united in their destruction of him because they perceive him as their ultimate evil, and in contrast, Christians and Christian ministers um, are, are walking around in this befuddled, non-biblical days, 
uh, uh, wondering whether he's of God or not. The enemies of the gospel know full well he's of God. That's why they're attacking him. And now, Steve Bannon. Why is it that Steve Bannon, among everybody uh, on Trump's team, with the exception of Trump himself, is the number one enemy of the media? Their total agreement is they want to take Steve Bannon down. The reason for that is that unlike uh, a lot of Trump supporters, unlike a lot of Christians, the media and the elitists, global elite, totally understand the reality that Steve Bannon, because of his brilliant intellectual development, because of, because he is a brilliant a strategist because he clearly understands what's going on and he has the skills in terms of utilizing media etc and organization he is their greatest threat because he has a warrior spirit and he's a genius and so the reason they're targeting Steve Bannon is because he's potentially their greatest threat and they're afraid of him so their number two agenda after destroying Trump is to get rid of Bannon as quickly as they can. So it's amazing how the people that oppose the gospel, who oppose freedom of speech, who oppose um, um, Christianity and capitalism, they see very clearly uh, who their enemies are, whereas conversely Christians can't figure out, and that's because they haven't been taught properly, and they're going to buy bad Bible teachers and bad churches. They can't figure out who the good guys and the bad guys are. Intentional pause there, because that's very true, and especially with respect to Bannon. That that's a very interesting. That Bannon case is to me a unique case because I know people who know him personally, and there's something really messed up with that from the those who are attacking uh, Steve Bannon but but that's but 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 very true on that um yeah okay wow and let, let Paul, me add Paul, something to, let me add something to Bannon okay Bannon as far as i know is not a christian okay but Bannon should be uh what a Christian man should be like. Now, now there needs to be some refinements in his personality, more fruit of the spirit, etc. Okay, so I want to say that with parameters. But what's missing in the identity of the Christian male in America and why we're losing to our enemies is the Christian male in America through indoctrination that eventually uh, was seeded by the globalist elite through the uh, Frankfurt School and their Marxist professors who created the theology of the seeker-friendly church and who created the th theology of the church growth movement. And isn't it ironical that the, that the people who created the church growth movement, the people who uh, created the model for the, the seeker-friendly churches were atheists who happened to be Marxists dedicated to Marxist revolution from the Frankfurt School. These are the guys that created the evangelistic and church game plan that is now being employed by most of the evangelical churches in America. And the only reason that the pastors 
and the people who go to these evangelical uh, churches and and the Christian denominations and the Christian seminaries don't know clearly that their theology, that their evangelistic game plan, that their model for church growth was not developed by Bible-believing Christians seeking God, but was actually developed by hardcore Marxist revolutionaries from the Frankfurt School in Germany in the 1930s, and then migrated itself into the university system of America, is because they're uneducated and ignorant. Now, Steve Bannon could use the fruit of the Spirit, etc., etc. And, and before I go on any further, Steve Bannon, it's a total lie from the, the media. Steve Bannon is not a white nationalist. Steve Bannon is not a, uh, a white uh, supremacist. That's a complete lie from the media. And Christians who right. believe that, shame on them for being so stupid. You know, they've been given the mind of Christ. And They've been given the wisdom of God's word. So for a Christian to behave so stupid in exercising their perception and believing the lies of the enemy about the people that God has raised up to be their champions, like Steve Bannon, shame on them. Because the historical record, if you look into Steve Bannon's life, you see he's not a white nationalist. He's not a friend of the KKK, and he's not a white racist. Those are total lies. Number two is Steve Bannon is not anti-Semitic. He's not anti-Jewish. That's a total lie, once again, made up of the enemies who want to destroy America. But Steve Bannon has certain personality characteristics which should be commonplace among males who call themselves Christians. And those uh, personality attributes um, would be things like he has a warrior spirit, he's a brilliant strategist, he's a goal setter, he gets things done, he's aggressive in a positive way, and he's a force to be contended with. He's a man's man, if you will. Now, uh, that's yeah, why... I find, I, find it, I find it interesting, uh, Paul, uh, I don't yeah. mean to take you off your uh, thought, but uh, quoted in the Wall Street Journal, misquoted, but well, quoted out of context, Bannon said, I'm a Leninist. That, okay, but he said that in the context of wanting to destroy the established state, in other words, the uh, global elite power structure that had its death grip on D.C. And, and I just watched as that, as the media just really had taken him out of, taken that statement out of context. And, and it's just, so the, the, the politics of destruction via the media is intense on those the media want to destroy, in, including this guy. Go ahead. Yeah. I- a- absolutely. So, if if uh, males in America uh, were getting their masculine identity from the Bible versus this this apostate Christian culture, the current Christian culture, because it has rejected the Bible, has has uh, produced uh, generation after generation of feminized males, males that are weak passive, compliant, and uh, are not masculine in, in the godly sense of the world, uh, the word. Because um, a masculine male has the, uh, the capacity to be a warrior, to stand up for what's right, to be in control but be aggressive. 
we see this entirely absent among the male identity in churches. They're feminized. That's not God's plan for them. And the reason they're feminized in the churches has nothing to do uh, with the Bible. It has everything to do with the fact that the Marxist uh, ideologies, first and foremost from the Frankfurt School, the revolutionary Marcus, uh, Marxists, targeted the church as their number one object to, to deconstruct, and also the family unit. But in the process of destroying the family unit, these globalist elite Marxists um, have destroyed the family unit by, by ridiculing legitimate masculinity, making a strong male the fool. So you turn on every single television show, and in any family on television, the male is a wimp, he's weak, he's a fool, he's an idiot, he's somebody to be laughed at. The same with uh, uh, feature films. This is indoctrination, and it's intentional. It's designed to break a strong male, because if you can break a strong male, you can control society. It is sinful and wrong for the Christian church to mass-produce feminized males. That's not what the Bible teaches. So, um, Bannon has characteristics, uh, the good ones, that are sorely needed in the Christian, in the Christian church. Now, the other thing is that the entire game plan here is to move America into a one-world so socialist state. So how do you do that? That's what all these uh, uh, demonstrators believe uh, that are demonstrating against Trump. This is what most of the media people believe, even though they're filthy rich and, and lived like privileged, privileged people. They believe in this Marxist one-world socialist state. Now, that is... A one-world socialist state is essentially an antichrist state because it, it operates under the principle that it, that it is a man-governed uh, uh, socialist state, not a God-governed uh, nation. America is built on the premise, in God we trust, and the original idea is that God Almighty is above the state. Conversely, in communist states... It's a centralized, authoritarian, hierarchical state in which man or man's government rules everything, and then you demand groupthink or, or collectivism. And in order to do that, you must produce a fragmented family, and you must produce a weakened, feminized male. And so these are the, the, the other dynamics that are, that are at work here. The average Christian male should be very aware of everything we're talking about now. Knowing your enemy gives you power. The average Christian male should be a strategic thinker and know that we're in a long-term battle. They need to, to self-educate themselves and they need to grow up and stop watching football 24-7 and start to understand that they have a God-given command. God has given the man the mandate to be the leader of the family, but to be the leader, period. And it's it's not that man is superior to woman, it's just the role. So these are the dynamics that we're dealing with. And so in, in my three DVD set, America, What's Happening Next, I talk about, after the election, where we're going, uh, the two roads before us, one road, which means we can reclaim America, restore our liberties, 
and be granted economic prosperity and be used as a launching pad to preach the gospel. The other pathway, the one that I warn about in the three DVD series, is continuing on the Marxist humanist pathway towards a global uh, one world government under under man. That's what we're really fighting here. And uh, if if Christians and people who are patriotic will stand their ground and quit allowing themselves to buy every bit of propaganda. Uh, from the media. It's amazing to me. I talk to Christians and they don't give me uh, the viewpoint uh, of somebody who reads the Bible or the viewpoint of somebody who un- understands history. I talk to Christian pastors. It's disgusting. I talk to Christian pastors, Christian leaders, and ordinary Christians who get their viewpoint about what's happening regarding Trump and the nation from CNN and from uh, liberal media which embraces a secular humanist or godless view of America and wants to see us part of this one world government. It's amazing to me how Christians will talk to me and have their mind framed not by the word of God, but by meditating on CNN or CBS or whatever other propaganda the media is spewing out. You know, and I just want to reaffirm this with our listeners, the uh, three DVD set, America, What's Going to Happen Next?, uh, it does take, if you like what you hear right now, and, and I'm telling you, you should because it's right on the money. Uh, America, what's going to happen next takes you one step beyond. And again, it, it goes back to, um, laying out the playing field, identifying the players and of course the different courses, two different, really there's only two different courses America and Americans and Christians can take. This is extremely critical for that, uh, for that. So thank you for doing that. And again, you were ahead of your time on this. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like some cheap pitch man for, for your DVD set, but I just find it very interesting how you were able to see where we're at today, um, even, even a year ago or six months ago, if, if, I mean, at the very, at the very least. So, um, Wow, you know. So, what do you think? Okay, so we need to pray for, for Trump like never before. Intercessory prayer, and even in some cases, a precatory prayer. But uh, we need to. I guess we need to speak louder than ever before as well, don't we? We have to, as Christians, we have to be out there in the front lines and saying, "Wait a minute, this." And we have to fight not just the our enemies, known enemies, but the perceived friends. The, the well, they were never really perceived friends, but the certainly the captured corporate media. We've got to fight the lies there. We have to to, to tamp them down, and we have to somehow survive on social media when they're closing down the uh, social media accounts. On, on a wholesale yeah. level, or we have to find in arounds around that. So, yeah, all of that. Okay. Right, and we have to de- we have to d- develop the mentality which is biblical: never retreat, never surrender, and failure is not an option. And I'm very serious about that. You know, it staggers me, and and I'm not bragging because I'm not giving credit to myself. But going back 25 years ago, I'm writing books on prophecy that warn of trade treaties. North American unions, GATT, all before this was even public discussion. And then over and over again, I'll write years in advance stuff that is exploding now. This wasn't done, this didn't happen because of Paul McGuire's brilliance. It happened by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, not in some mystical, you know, euphoric way, but just the Holy Spirit guiding me as I'm stumbling around in the darkness trying to put something together. The Holy Spirit is guiding me 
to to lock in onto topics and subjects that I found kind of strange, but now are, are, are coming to life before our very uh, very eyes. We need to become aggressive. This whole idea of passivity is non-biblical. The righteous are bold as a lion, and and if we're not going to be bold as a lion, then the powers of darkness are. And if it takes marching in the streets with peaceful law-abiding demonstrations, then so be it. Because let me tell you something, and I believe this with all my heart, God has given us a window of opportunity to march through it, because he wants to use America as a launching pad for the gospel in the last days, to bring in the last days soul harvest. But he's not going to force us to do it. He's giving us a mandate. But if we're going to ignore him, we're going to sow a bitter harvest. And so this is the time that God has given us. This time may not exist three years from now. The entire media, Internet may be completely locked down. So by being proactive now, we can keep the doors of the social media free and open. We can still accomplish things. We can make sure that this legislation gets passed through. But we're going to have to uh, have new identities. If we're going to keep getting our identity from this apostate, insipid, feminized Christianity with not all, but many feminized Christian leaders where the average Christian leader is afraid of saying anything. That man is a coward. And I hear all this baloney about people talking about people who won't get into heaven because of this sin or that sin. They're, they're not going to make it into heaven. And the passage they're quoting from is in the book of Revelation. But before it lists all the other sins, it says that those are, and it lists, you know, abominations, sexual things. It says, the cowardly is the first sin named among those people who will not get into heaven. And yet, oh, I never stop you right there, brother. in brother. America preached about cowardice or repentance from cowardice. i got to stop you right there, brother. We've run out of time for, for this hour. You're going to be back with us next Wednesday to continue this conversation. God bless you. God bless that you. That was the most powerful hour in a long time. God bless you. Thank you, Paul. See you next Wednesday. Folks, remember right back. Stay right where you're at. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman Hag Report. Uh, wow, what, what a powerful! If you just missed the last segment, that was uh, uh, that was Paul McGuire from PaulMcGuire.us. And uh, when you look at what's taking place in America today, you look at the riots, you look at the the uh, intentional, uh, well, the intentional. You look at the funding and where the funding is coming from for all of these riots. You look at the the things that that. Uh, Everything at this point, in my view anyway, is doing two things. It is awakening others to the fact that there is a revolution taking place in this country and a civil war at the same time. I mean, they're running parallel courses, in my view. The revolution and the civil war. The civil war is being stoked by the globalists. The revolution is at the grassroots of the, uh, really, the evangelicals. And if you look carefully, and you've got to do this, and, and I was doing this this week. I was looking at the numbers for Trump, and 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 if you watch mainstream media, 
man, my goodness. Um, it's the, the whites. Can I say that? Of course I can. I can say anything I want. It's the whites, the white people in America who are responsible for, uh, Trump, uh, getting in office. That, that, that's according to the mainstream media now. Uh, however, when you look at the numbers, you, you dissect the numbers a little bit more, you see that more blacks had voted for, did, did I say Obama? When, when I did just, Trump. If I said Obama moments ago, it should have been Trump. Um, but when you look at the numbers, however, and you dissect the numbers and you look at categories, when you clear all the, the chaff and, and, and stuff away, it is really the evangelical Christian community who put Trump in office. Now, I, you might say, well, that's just a bunch of, you know, junk. No, it's, it's true. The polls may not show it, but it is my contention based on the demographics and, and other factors that it is the evangelical base that many would call a big portion of the alt-right that put Trump where he's at. Now, that's just from my, from my view. Now, on the other side of things, you've got some very, as to use, use Paul McGuire's words, insidious peoples and agendas that are fighting against Trump. So I do believe, as Paul does, as I'm looking at this and having spoken to, well, I mean, just in my appearances with Alex Jones and uh, having spoken to people there and Alex Jones who, you know, has been in touch with uh, Donald Trump since he was president-elect, there is that sentiment of, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies under surveillance. You've got to play offense and defense at that level. So when you see people, when they have live cameras at the Trump Tower elevators all of the time to to keep track of the comings and goings of people and then they evaluate oh who's this going to who's he going to is he going to get picked for secretary of state is he going to what position is he going to fill and so on you've got to understand there is a lot of backroom dealings going on and trump is trying and i do believe this again based on information not in the media not from the media i'm not sourcing this to the media but i'm sourcing this to people who know um, what's going on in the Trump Tower? That you've, you've got to understand that he is trying to um, keep the wheels on this bus while he sets up his administration. And there is no love lost, by the way, between Trump and Obama. And I've seen a lot of crap with uh, with respect to Trump. Oh, he's being blackmailed, or oh, they've got the goods on him. You know, at some point, conspiracy theories become, they do become lunacy at some point. If you take it too far, way too far. So we have to watch that we do not overstate things based on suppositions, presuppositions, or information that's just outright inaccurate. And that we always run that, that risk. There's a huge risk there especially in the alternative media, the huge risk of going too far, overstating the case too much, saying, you know, hey, the uh, the Russian forces and, and the Blue Helmets are, are in downtown Milwaukee as we speak, when they're not, okay, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be. 
but they're not. So, uh, or that doesn't mean they're not planning to be. And I'm using that as an example. Folks, don't, don't, you know, don't send me emails. Um, we have to be willing to go further than the, 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 the conservatives, self-identified conservatives on syndicated radio. Because frankly, they're only permitted to go so far. I'm going to, before we get to our next guest, Pastor Mike Spaulding, I just want to mention this, that I was, uh, uh, speaking with somebody who fills in for Rush Limbaugh. And, um, he said to me, and this is back in 2009 now, okay, um, he said, you know, I couldn't go on the air. And in fact, I wrote about this on CanadaFreePress.com and, um, you can find the article. He said, I, I wanted to speak about the Chicago Tribune's coverage of the birther issue, the, the birth certificate issue, uh, the pedigree issue of Barack Hussein Obama and the producer, the, of the program said, if you, you can't, you can't, you can't talk about that. You can't mention that. He said, no, no, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about the, I don't want to talk about the, the issue itself. I want to talk about the coverage about the, and the, the producer says, no, you can't, you can't talk about that. That's the level of control, even at the conservative media level, at least in that venue. And, and that venue was the Rush Limbaugh venue. Now, there you have the issue. But we have to keep our eyes on, on certain things, and we have to be very careful to be precise when we talk and, uh, and understand that we're fighting a battle. And this battle is being, everyone is doubling down every day. And, you know, I, I, when, when Twitter hosted, banned a number of, of, uh, Twitter accounts in wholesale numbers here in the past 24 hours, I looked at mine, my Twitter account, Hagman, Hagman, Hagman and Hagman report, as well as my own personal Twitter account and wondered, why didn't you ban us? Why didn't you take us off? Not because I wanted to, not because I want the attention, but are we not saying the right things? Are we not standing up for the right? Are we not making the right noise? Are we not being effective? Because obviously they're only going to take swipes at people who are effective or organizations who are being effective and making a difference. And I think sometimes it is by the grace of God. And I think it's sometimes by the fact that uh, maybe we don't go far enough or um, we aren't taking it seriously because sometimes perhaps some of us do overstate the case. Now, but uh, having said all of that, uh, again, it's not because I want the ban. I certainly don't want to be banned by, by Twitter. I, it's not it's not because I, I like Twitter. It's just because it's it's an outlet for information. But uh, so so we're always looking here from our programming position. We're always looking to make sure that we're offering you, the listener and the viewer, the right information. I mean, I, folks, I like Lou Dobbs. Lou Dobbs, to me, I mean, he's Lou Dobbs has really pushed the envelope, and I and I have a lot of respect for that man. Right? For what I know of him, and, unless I'm missing something, and that could very well be, but every time I've listened to him, I've saw him or watched him, uh, he's been pretty pretty close on the money. And he's pushing the envelope a little bit. So hopefully we can collectively make a difference. And this is where our next guest, Pastor Mike Spaulding, comes in. Pastor Mike Spaulding is, uh, is uh, uh, in fact, he was on the, the show before, and his website is 
Thank you. Soaring Eagle Radio. I can't even read my own writing. How's that? SoaringEagleRadio.com. And the, he's got two of them. The TransformingWord.com as well. Pastor Mike, before I slaughter this up any further, welcome to the program. Pastor Mike Spaulding, are you there? Doug, it's good to be with you again. Yes, good to have you, sir. Sorry, sorry about that. I don't know. There was a delay there, and my, my apologies. But uh, but thanks for coming on, sir. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, uh, last time was a great blessing. Got a lot of feedback from people. Appreciate your listeners. So I'm pretty excited about uh, what the Lord's laid on my heart to share with with you and your listeners tonight. Well, you know, I've taken I've, I've taken an inordinate amount of your time uh, here in the introduction. Uh, for, for those who did not catch you the first time on, on our show, uh, the last time on our show, why don't you go ahead and just tell a little, uh, the people, the listeners a little bit about yourself and then the areas that you want to cover. Um, go ahead, sir. Sure. Well, I pastor a, uh, small Calvary Chapel church in Lima, Ohio. Uh, that's, uh, West Central Ohio. And, uh, it's probably, four hours from where you're at, Doug. Um, Lyme is a pretty small city, about 40,000 people. Um, but I also have a radio program, Soaring Eagle Radio. Thank you for mentioning that. And uh, my, my other site is transformingword.com, and that's where my, my sermon archive is located. Uh, there's also a lot of podcasts, and uh, they're aired on different stations. And I did also want to say, Doug, that... Uh, Really, I guess it's an announcement, uh, if, if that's okay. Um, sure. Uh, Coach Coach Dave uh, and uh, Pastor Flip Benham and, and myself will be uh, doing a spiritual boot camp tomorrow. It starts tomorrow, and it will run through Sunday uh, in Warsaw, Ohio. So folks that are in uh, western Pennsylvania, uh, all over the state of Ohio, eastern Indiana, short drive to get there. Uh, even uh, even West Virginia is not that far away. Uh, you can register on on Coach Dave's website for that spiritual boot camp. It is uh, it's free. It costs for anyone attending. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. Give a shout out to Coach Coach Dave. In fact, Doug, uh, we had uh, Coach Dave was was at uh, my fellowship Sunday and brought a word of encouragement to to the folks. And and uh, after he was finished, I. <laughs> I said, folks, I've got uh, I've got one thing to say, and, and that is that you can never accuse me again of being a radical because you've just been in the presence of a real radical. <laughs> folks, got to kick out of that. <laughs> I love that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and, and just just to really reaffirm what you said. Uh, now, first annual spiritual boot camp, Pass Assault Ministries. Uh, now that's Thursday, November seventh. Uh, let's see. Am I right here? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, tell me again when this is going to be, uh, the spiritual boot camp. Yeah, it's starting uh, it's Sunday. Well, I think they may have met tonight for some preliminary meetings. Um, but yes. tomorrow really kicks it off. Uh, tomorrow morning they'll be, uh, going out to the local Planned Parenthood uh, clinic and, uh, trying to share the gospel with, uh, with folks, uh, going in and out. Uh, there'll be some teaching going on during the day and then later that night will be uh, I think it's 9 or 9.30 that night we'll be going out to a, a local establishment um, and 
I, I won't even say what it is, but uh, just just know that it's an establishment that barters in depravity, and uh, so we'll be there trying to share the gospel with uh, customers, mostly men, going in and out. <laughs> Yeah, d- d- don't reveal anything, any OPSEC stuff, uh, obviously. Warsaw, Ohio, though. Uh, and, you know, I'm familiar with the, uh, I'm familiar with, with Coach Dave and uh, the boot camps. My goodness, well worth it. And what a great on the boots, boots on the ground, uh, on the boots. Yeah, boots on the ground job. So thank you for doing exactly what you're doing and thank uh, Coach Dave as well. Uh, what a friend of the program and what a friend of, of Christians everywhere. All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, you're certainly living exciting times, aren't we, Doug? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm looking for news. I can't find any news anywhere. So I'm too, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it, I, I've never, I, and, and it, I kind of know how old you are, sir. So, uh, yeah, I'm, we're not too far off in age. And, uh, Coach Dave, yeah. all of us, have you ever seen yeah. a time like this with respect to yeah. the news cycles? No, not at all, Doug. This is um, each each new day really brings more chaos and and, and head scratching absurdity. Um, but that tells me a couple of things. <laughs> One is that that our enemy knows that his days are numbered. Uh, when we see a such a massive, massive manifestation of uh, unreasonable behavior, really. And I've heard other people say this, it certainly isn't uh, original to me, but it's almost as if um, a lot of folks have been brainwashed and they're just now manifesting this this uh, hive mind controlled mind mantra. They're all saying the same stuff and none of it makes sense. So that tells me that uh, the enemy's pulling out all the stops because uh, he knows these days are numbered. But, the flip side of that too, though, Doug, is that our Lord Jesus Christ's return is is very near as well. So, uh, in light of that, I, I think the number one priority that uh, that Christians everywhere need to pay attention to is just to stay the course. Um, we seem to be facing uh, an avalanche of wickedness and um, evil at, uh, at heights I've never seen in in, in my life. And the number of deceived people uh, in America that are willing to sell their their American birthright of freedom and and, and liberty uh, is is astounding. Um, and, but I think in that, as we see that as believers, we're being called to hold fast and contend for the faith. I'm reminded of a passage in the Scripture, and Doug, I I, I do want to say that. Um, I'll be sharing a lot of scripture as I prayed about this and thought about what the Lord would have me to say. Uh, I, I just received scripture upon scripture upon scripture that highlights and illustrates and explains uh, what we're seeing in our in our nation today. So, just wanted to say that and alert your listeners if they haven't already, if they're listening, uh, get your idol out because you're going to need it tonight. We're going to go through a, a lot of a lot of scriptures. We're in, today in America, Doug, we're in um, great need, I'll put it that way, great need of men and women who hold fast the faith and who cry out to God for his 
in these days. We need men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and who, like the sons of Issachar, understood the times and knew what needed to be done. And I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, which says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now underline that, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My wife, uh, Kathy, and I have been using a, a book this year for our devotional uh, quiet time together each, each morning. And uh, it, it covers 366 of the best-known and, and uh, loved hymns of the church. And I'm, I'm a, a hymn guy. I don't care much for the, the uh, contemporary Christian music as far as worship is concerned. I, I prefer the old, uh, the old hymns. And we've come across some that, uh, that I've not been familiar with. These are, these are hymns that date back into the... The 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, uh, and uh, by way of introduction to our conversation tonight, I wanted to, to share with your listeners this morning's devotion was, and it was ironic, because as I, as I read it, we talked about it, I, I told Kathy, I said, you know what, this would be a great, great poem or hymn to read tonight during the, the conversation, so if that's okay, I'd like to do that, Doug. Let's rock, or, or in this case, let's not rock. Let's him. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, this one, this one is uh, from the, the uh, early 1800s, and it's it's entitled "Who Is on the Lord's Side?" Who's on the Lord's side? And it goes like this: Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? Who will be His helpers? Other lives to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? By thy call of mercy, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Second stanza. Not for weight of glory, nor for crown and palm. Enter we the army, raise the warrior psalm. But for love that claimeth lives, for whom he died, he whom Jesus nameth must be on his side. By thy love constraining, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Now, I read that uh, because that hymn reminded me of a passage of Scripture uh, in the Old Testament in Exodus, uh, chapter 32, verse 26. Specifically, when Moses came down to meeting with God on Mount Sinai, and, and he had with him the two tablets of the testimony, well, what did he find? Well, he found idolatry among the people. And so he stood there and he said to his people, he said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And that I, I think it's time for the remnant church, true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to issue that same 
challenge. Whoever is for the Lord, rise up, put on the armor of God, and join together. We need to stop squabbling about the nonsense and the, and the minor things, and we need to start focusing on righteousness and coming together as the body of Christ. Here's the question that I've been asking people in my conversations lately. That I'm asking them, Church, are you awake now? Church, are you awake now? The events of November, are they shaking you from your slumber? And I apologize in advance that we're using this well-known tagline and ad, rather cheesy, but it has become part of our uh, cultural lexicon now. And here it is. God is asking, can you hear me now? And, and I knew exactly. Yeah, I knew you were going to say yeah. that, and 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 you're and you're right. You you are exactly correct. I mean, this is right on the money. I, as if I needed to speak yeah. in here, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I've been listening uh, to your show the last several days, and uh, and I think we're in total agreement with what is happening right now. And so um, I think God's given us a a, a wake up call. He's given us a reprieve. But I want to step back just a second, Doug, because the fact that he had to say, can you hear me now? Church, are you awake now? The fact that he had to do that means that we weren't, right? There are reasons that God even had to ask that question, and uh, primarily there are two. One is that many churches and the people that comprise them have have thrown God out of their lives. I mean, he's not worshipped. He certainly isn't obeyed. And that's the picture of the church, a way to see it in the book of Revelation. And, and it certainly is thriving today in America. And we've got sodomite pastors and, and pastorettes standing behind pulpits, hissing out their poison. There many people who are, are gladly drinking it down. We've got apostate God-haters who deny the Bible. They deny the one true God that it reveals. And i got to say, those aren't shepherds. Those are Luciferian wolves masquerading as shepherds. That's why we read in, in Revelation right. chapter 3, verse 20, we read these very sobering words uh, from verse 20 of chapter 3, where the Lord Jesus said, or not, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Isn't it tragic that Jesus has to knock on the door in the hearts of the people who claim to be his? I mean, that's a startling picture. And because of that, because the church says, go ahead, Doug. No, no, no. Um, Just to kind of put an exclamation point under that, yes. it's, it's, It's difficult to... Um, comprehend that, and it's equally difficult. I just want to mention this in advance, perhaps of another topic. Um, it's equally uh, disturbing to me that uh, while uh, he's going to do that, you've got others who have slithered inside the camp, as shall we say, kind of like a Judas inside the group of apostles. And I, I, I don't know why I thought of that and those two together in that context, but you've got that um, to, to me, you've got you've got a very similar situation there. But, but Pastor, I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. We, no. we, we only have about a minute. Your... We, we got about a minute to the bottom of the hour here, so um, just to kind of put you on alert, but go ahead, sir. Yeah, 
Well, let me conclude that thought then. Because that is the state of, of much of the visible organized church, and, and I think the last time that I was on with you, Doug, I made this distinction between the remnant church and the visible organized church. Those are two separate things. Well, what we see in many places, the beautiful buildings and multi-million dollar campuses, thousands upon thousands of people meeting in sports arenas and so on and so forth, that's not the remnant church. That's something entirely different. But the point that I was, was driving towards there, and I'll wrap this up because I know you need to go to break, but the point that I was driving at is because the church has become apostate in, in so many ways, it's no wonder that the culture has followed suit. I mean, if we can't find God in the church, why are we keeping him in our schools, in our courtrooms, in our conversations? I mean, that's what the, that's what the culture is saying. You don't that's even a- believe in this God. That's a an excellent point, Pastor. We're going to pick it up after the uh, after the break, right there. You made an excellent point, and folks. That strikes at the heart of exactly the problem. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. It uh, well, our guest is Pastor Mike Spaulding, and of course, stay right where you're at. I want to mention uh, it's my pleasure to talk about PreciousTimber.com. Folks, if you haven't heard about Precious Timber, this is something I would really urge everyone. I don't care if you've got five bucks or five million bucks, all right? PreciousTimber.com. Check this website out because this is for accredited investors, but there's other avenues, other portions of this that will that you could take advantage of. Including, um, they've got some big plans. I, I don't want to get into the big plans that they've got. In fact, we're going to have Alex Wilson come on and explain that will be afforded to all of us. PreciousTimber.com. Watch their informational videos. If you are an accredited investor, for example, if you've got a 401k that's in the market right now, you might think, oh boy, the markets are up. Yeah, right now they are. But you don't want to be exposed. You can actually have a self-directed IRA. Well, this is where, believe it or not, of all things, timber comes into play. You've heard of self-directed 401ks in uh, precious metals and other things, but timber can be one. So can coconuts. And I want to just mention coconuts. This website, which is their sister website, ProfitsInCoconuts.com, ProfitsInCoconuts.com. I laugh every time I, I see that. I just keep thinking of Gilligan's Island. I don't know why. And Alex, you know, he's going to come and smack me upside, upside the head one of these days. But, folks, really quickly, Worldwide Demand is making coconuts one of the biggest, highest yielding cash crops. Uh, in fact, high net worth individuals, as long as, as along with uh, uh, companies like Coke and Pepsi, They've invested in coconuts as a growth investment for long-term income, and direct ownership of fully managed coconut acreage is available to all of us right now, or to those accredited investors, I should say. If you, and they could yield up to as, as much as 15% per year. The triple bottom line opportunity generates a measurable, beneficial social and environmental impact alongside an attractive financial return that lasts up to 60 long years. That's a gen- generation for crying out loud. Help them create jobs, educate children, protect our planet by growing coconuts on prime farmland close to the tropical Costa Rican border. 
Qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com. Or let me give you a phone number, too. It's, un- it's unlisted. I like the joke. It's not. 855-888-6288. 855-888-6288 to receive more information. And I've got to say legally that this announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. And offers are made by perspective only, but call them. 855-888-6288 or visit simply profitsandcoconuts.com or preciousTimber.com. Pastor Mike Spalding is with us. And, uh, Pastor, before the break, you were saying a whole lot about, uh, well, go ahead and continue. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, I, we were, we were talking about, uh, America having received a wake up call in yes. November. And, uh, the fact that God, uh, Saying, are you listening now? Can you hear me now? And and I see, as uh, as many of my my friends and colleagues see, the election of Donald Trump as a a reprieve of sorts that gives the church an opportunity uh, to step up and be the church. And I I, I can't help but think Doug, that that's that's part of the reason why. Uh, God did what he did because he's not finished with the church yet. He wants the remnant church to be the church. He's calling the church to be a church that, that many Christians uh, believe that they're they're up against a the wall. They don't they don't know where to go, they don't know where to turn. Um, they they have a sense, they they know that what they're seeing and hearing in, in their own church isn't right. And Here's what they're up against. First Timothy chapter four, verses one and two says this. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron. Now, what that passage is saying is that many churches are being led by people who are hypocritical liars, controlled by deceitful spirits, and who are teaching doctrines of demons. Now, that's a sad indictment, but the word is true. Satan is a liar, but God tells the truth. Now, unfortunately, there's more. That's not all that people are are faced with today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says this, to realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, and this is the key statement in that entire passage that holding to the form of godliness, although they have denied its power, Paul says to Timothy, avoid such men as these. What does it mean that they hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power? Well, simply it means that the Holy Spirit is not living within them. They've denied the power of godliness, and the power of godliness is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, Christ, uh, Paul said to uh to the Roman believers, he said, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. 
So part of the problem, what I'm saying here, Doug, is part of the problem is we've got goats in the pulpits trying to feed the sheep, and that doesn't work out very well. A large portion of the church is a mess, and they cannot hear God speaking today for for those reasons and, and many more. I mean, we have a large segment of the organized church, the visible church, that support sodomite marriage. They celebrate the murder of unborn children. They they preach a don't worry, be happy kind of sermon at nonsense. They don't really feed the sheep. But those things, as bad as they are, Doug, those things don't give us any excuse not to stand up in the midst of this depraved generation and speak God's truth. We we read this in Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through seven. Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. If wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. I'm reminded there of, uh, of Coach Dave. He, he showed up Play Sunday your position, at our place. Right? Is, is, is that right, though? Play your position. Get, get in the game yes, exactly. and play the position. Yes, get in the get game. In. Yes, yep. that's right. Yep. Yeah, Coach Dave, is, he probably does uh, other places, but he showed up Sunday uh, wearing his, uh, his shirt that on the front it says, Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. You've, you've probably seen that. Uh, yeah, I love um, that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> but I tell you, Christians, Christians need to be reminded uh, American Christians need to be reminded that government is never, ever our master. And in fact, government is the enemy of God when it advocates for immoral behavior. And this current regime that's been soundly uh, rebuked, in my opinion, and being shown the door in no uncertain terms, this current regime has been one of the most immoral, ungodly, anti-Christian administrations, if not at the top, that we've ever seen. Whether it's it's sodomy or fornication, child sacrifice, or, or immoral financial, economic, domestic, or foreign policies, this administration has shoved all of that down our throats. And I, for yeah. one, yeah. am very thankful to see Donald Trump become president. You know, to to see um, Hillary, and I'm going back in time now. This is old news to many, of course, you know. But uh, to see Hillary being uh, standing side by side with Obama, and then the thought that we could have had uh, another four, perhaps uh, four or more years of that same sodomite, uh, her, that same garbage, you know. 
and, and, yeah. and right. but you know what you know what pastor what bothers me uh, much uh, as much as that the whole thing are the christians and i've seen these email chains that involves some pretty well-known, high-profile Christians who said, oh, I can't possibly in good conscience vote for, for Donald Trump. And I go back to that, and I think we, collectively, as a country and as a Christian body, I believe, one, in spite of you, in spite of your ignorance, in spite of your whatever you want to call it, not you, Pastor, but but their, their ignorance. Um, yes. But that mindset uh, just bothers me. But yeah. anyway, well, and it should. It, it, it should. Well, let me pick up on a point that you made, that Doug. You said it's time for the church to get up, get in the game, and, and that's exactly right. The church needs to get in the game. Uh, James chapter one, starting at verse nineteen, it says pretty much the same thing. He says here that uh, the church must be doers of the word and not just hearers. Uh, let me read that for for your listeners. Uh, James chapter one. Verses 19 to 25 for those uh, that are taking notes. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Now that's a mouthful. Right there, Doug. Be ye therefore doers and not just hearers who delude themselves. Now, I did a little word study on that uh, passage in preparation for our conversation tonight. And that word hearer goes back to a root word that has to do with audit, audit, or an auditor. And uh, you may recall back in, back in your college days, I, I certainly remember uh, back when I was taking some courses leading up to my degrees and and we would have uh, students every once in a while that would come in and they would just audit the course. They would come in and just sit yep. and they, they would take notes. They would be very engaged, but they were some of the most relaxed, carefree students taking that course. And the reason for that was they knew they didn't have to sit for a test. They didn't have to do anything with the information they were receiving. <laughs> All they had to do was take it in. Well, that's a good illustration for what James is, is saying here. He's saying, listen, don't just be someone who, who sits down and takes this information in, because if that's all you're doing, and let's apply this to the Bible, if all you're doing is reading your Bible, taking it in, and yeah, I understand it, all that's good stuff. If you don't ever get up, get out, boots on the ground, and be doers of what you're reading, then you're deceiving yourself. That's that's what James is, is saying there. So. So my point in all that, when, when discussing this, this subject of, of what's happened to America, what's going on in our, in our nation, is that we have to include the fact that, uh, that our national conscience, uh, really it's on life support, um, if you follow what I'm saying. I mean, what exactly. we're witness, witnessing today. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, I think um, I caught a bit of Paul uh, uh, McGuire's uh, conversation before before I came on. Um, I think he mentioned, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he mentioned cultural Marxism, but he, but he used uh, uh, political correctness uh, was, the, was the term that he used. But 
they are one and the same. Political correctness exactly. is cultural Marxism. And, and I'm it's, glad. It's, thank you for pointing that out because it, it, that, that's yes, yes, cultural Marxism, political correctness. But we're beholden to this particular uh, language. We're being held hostage yes. by this. But by, by this, go ahead, sir. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it is the primary tool that's being used to to subvert America, and, and what it's leading to. Uh, God, what, what, what cultural Marxism always leads to, and this is the goal. It isn't an accident, but it's a goal. Cultural Marxism always leads to might makes right. Might makes right. Now, that explains perfectly the rights and all of the brainwashed people in America today that think they, they really have a rational reason uh, for, for doing all of these things. Uh, whether you call it liberalism or progressivism, uh, democracy, it's all based inevitably on might makes right. Um, but America, I'll just remind uh, your listeners, but they probably already know this, America was founded as a republic. It's a nation that is supposed to be governed by the rule of law, but it is very slowly been changed into a democracy, and we all know what happens to democracies over time. It becomes mob rule. That's right. Really nothing. And, 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 and what is mob and, rule, Doug? Well, mob, it's, mob it's rule, really. Two, it's, two it's, guys it's and a woman. You know? Yeah, go, well, go on. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going, I was going the crass route there, but but you you go ahead and take the high road. Mob, mob rule, democracy always descends into mob rule, and mob rule is nothing more than the coming together of all these special interest groups that seize control of the government and destroys liberty and freedom. That's it in a nutshell right there. That is the goal of cultural Marxism. And that's what that's we're right. seeing uh, yeah. all across America today. We've arrived at, sadly, sadly. Yeah. It's a very critical but, 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 point in our history, though. But 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 this see it's not is not as much a result from our actions, but the inactions, the acquiescence, to, and this this insane tolerance that we that we especially as Christians have for the yes. morally intolerant. Yes, I explain it this way, Doug. We uh, you and I we grew up in an era where people went to church, whether they were believers or not. They abided by the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule, whether they were believers or not. Our culture was saturated with a Christian mindset. Not that doesn't mean everything was perfect, and that doesn't mean that people weren't living in sand. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, it was a whole different culture in the 1940s, in the 1950s, than it became in the 1980s, 90s, and, and today. And the reason for that was, because as a Christian nation, we had a uh, what I like to describe or define as a, a Christian heritage uh, bank account where we had deposited uh, morality, and most people lived by that. Well, the Church thought that that bank account was going to last forever, and they didn't pay attention to it. And slowly but surely, over time, it became not only at a zero balance, but overdrawn, and we just thought that people were going to always live uh, by Christian values. And the church kind of slept through that whole period. And now we find ourselves in a huge mess. So we've got to really get in the game, 
we've got to really take serious our mandate now. I don't know how how long this window is going to be open, but I do know this. I am encouraging everybody that I talk to, Deb, to get involved in some type of, of gospel activity where you are talking to people, and I don't care where they're at. I don't care if they're in your grocery store. You, you, you talk to them at the gas station. If, if you go to to bars and stand outside on the street and talk, try to talk to people that are going in and out. Go do something for Jesus. That's that's the point, because uh, our culture, uh, we're at this pivotal point now, where I think it's absolutely essential that we take advantage of this. Now, we've allowed, uh, to your point, we've sat back and, and done not much of anything and allowed um, really, well, I'll just call them, like I see them, the very demonically inspired politicians to run America into a financial mess, while simultaneously and interestingly enough, they've become very wealthy. And I think there's uh, there's something that needs to be said about that. Well, we're in such dire straits financially as a country, but these politicians who go in as... as uh, some of them are local businessmen. Not many are wealthy when they go in, but, but I'd like to know how you can how you can earn one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. I think that's probably a fairly accurate figure um, as a, a representative. How you can earn that salary and come out uh, four or five terms later after ten years and you're a multimillionaire. Now, it doesn't take a real smart person to figure out that somebody is paying somebody, and uh, we've allowed that kind of stuff to go on. Uh, one of the stories that I like to tell to illustrate that, Doug, and you're probably aware of this, but um, back when John Boehner uh, was, was still the Speaker of the House, um, when the TPP came up for uh, vote, the fast-track vote, whether or not they were going to be able to amend it when it did come for a full Which vote. was a, the TPA, yeah. Remember yep. that? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, John Boehner was on the floor, and this this was called on C-SPAN. They weren't even trying to hide it. But John Boehner was on the floor passing out checks to people to vote yes for the, the uh, PDP to, to fast-track it so that they couldn't change anything. And I'm not talking about 5000 I'm talking about million-dollar checks. Boehner himself, uh, matter of public record, people can check this out, he received $5 million to... Uh, babysit this through the house, and he did a pretty remarkable job. Well, that's the kind of stuff that's going on in our nation. It's no wonder that uh, that America and our financial situation uh, is a mess. And you know, we could talk about the globalist banksters and, and and all of these people, but I'd rather let's let me move on and talk about um, Christians and Trump. I know that's a powder keg that uh, <laughs> some people are trying to avoid. I think just needs no, to no. Well, let's that. light let's light this sucker because people need to hear this. You know, I, I'm all for yeah. I'm all for yeah, lighting the fuse on this one. Go ahead, sir. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I normally don't don't back down, but I do want to be sensitive to to your listeners and, and audience, but. Anyway, I, I, I find the contrast between uh, many Christians who, who voted for Trump and, and the reactions of those who supported um, Hillary 
I do as well, and I got to mention this here. We're about a minute out uh, from the top of the hour, but I, I want to mention this. Consider this, uh, Pastor. And I don't know whether you caught this story. I don't know whether our listeners caught this story, but but uh, you know, a fetus, Latin, of course, for essentially unborn child. But the um, Mike Pence, who is vice president elect, of course. Uh, reportedly with Trump, extremely pro-life. Well, you've got this wackadoodle feminist. Okay. Now, now I don't want to be too. You know, her, her name is Rachel Zerrell. I don't know whether anyone has heard of this this wackadoodle feminist. I personally, I never heard of her before. Uh, but, but but she is yeah, threatening. Either. Okay. Well, listen to this. She is, uh, she is threatening to send Pence, and I don't want to be gross about this, but a monthly bag of menstrual blood if he implements a pro-life policy. And she's soliciting others to get aboard on this, okay? And, uh, threatening President-elect Donald Trump and the people close to him seems to be just this popular trend. This to me, okay, first of all, it's, I mean, I've gotten in, in our position, in in uh, in, tr- in marriage, for example, I've gotten packages in the mail of uh, used items that are used uh, to prevent conception. Um, not a pleasant thing to get, but but see, this is the the. You're exactly right. We need to take on these these idiots, these morons, these people who believe it's their right 
It's the, the children have no rights. Uh, unborn children have no rights. We need to take on these people hard, fast, and now. And it's the never, and I go back to what you said. It's the never Trumpers who are holding fast to their position who are actually catering yeah. to such people. It's, it's really mm-hmm. strange. Uh, the folks are listening to Pastor Very Mike. Strange. Spalding, Mike Spalding, transformingtheword.com and soaringeagleradio.com. Going to be right back. Back, ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Pastor Mike Spaulding. Let's—I'll tell you what. Let's get fired up here, Pastor Spaulding. We were talking about right before the break, talking about uh, going after the the the, the anti-life crowd. I, there, there's the words that are used in this movement are. Uh, they've hijacked our vocabulary, folks. All right, it's not a fetus; it's an unborn child. It is not a choice; it's a child. I mean, I can go on and on. You get the idea. But folks, now is the time to stand up and to uh, uh, not not just make Roe v. Wade go away, but understand that it can't come back because you cannot make a law that is uh, against the against the Bible or the Constitution. I mean, it's just. It, Judicial supremacy is a joke. We have to always keep that in mind. We're going to be getting back to Pastor Spalding momentarily. You know, I, I was thinking, too, the other day when planning for a disaster, and we should be planning. We should be preparing right now. We've got a reprieve, perhaps, perhaps, and I'd be careful of the time between now and the inauguration and even uh, even in the weeks after. Don't forget the 19... Don't forget the inauguration of, of Reagan and you got to go back and study history. Have we ever been in a time like this? No. But have we been in different kind of categories? Yes. But when playing for a disaster, must have as a good supply of batteries, the throwaway kind, the batteries that you use, they go dead and you toss, or, or you keep them on the shelf and they kind of slowly lose their charge. Look, not good necessarily. Not good at all. Um, and unless you're planning on using them here, you know, uh, well, you need you need rechargeable batteries. That's that's the bottom line. Solar chargers can help, but only during the daylight hours. You can hand, hand crank chargers that uh, require effort, and uh, it sounds like a lot of work, frankly. Look, the ideal solution would be a lightweight portable charger that makes power anytime, anywhere, under any conditions, any weather, day or night. Green Evative invented one, folks. This is the greatest gadget I've ever seen. Think Christmas. Think of your guy, your gal for Christmas. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's a battery charger. Charges rechargeable batteries using uh, magnesium or uh, 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 power pucks. But it, it's called the G-Mag Power Cell. It weighs only 8 ounces. It's durable, EMP proof. And all you do is add salt, water, and it recharges your batteries in three hours. It's six AA or AAA batteries in three hours. It's 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 great. It's made in the USA by Americans. By it, it, the G Magazine EMP safe, as I said, it has an indefinite shelf life. It can charge an unlimited number of batteries. And again, made in the USA, folks. When a natural or man-made disaster does strike, you need power. All you have to do is add water, the salt, 
And there it is, greenevative.com, greenevative.com. That's like the color green, green, I-V-A-T-I-V-E.com, greenevative.com. It's fantastic. It's a great gift for Christmas. It's a great gift anytime. And you really need one for your preps, greenevative.com. We believe in it. We put it through its paces. And, man, it works. I, frankly, I don't know how. I, I must have missed that class in science. But it works. All right. Pastor Mike Spaulding, let, let's get let's get rough on this. Uh, never Trumpers, uh, or let's get rough. What you're talking about before, of course, the 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 pro-abortion, anti-life crowd, and what we need to do to stop these this uh, yeah. or change yeah. this. Well, yeah, change it. Well, uh, I'll give a uh, a hat tip to Pastor Flip. I, I think uh, he was the one that, that made this statement, and and I. I've uh, picked up on that, so I'll give him credit for it. But he said, "You know, this this abortion nightmare in America will end when the church decides that it's going to end, and not before." And I I have repeated that, and I said, "Pastor, Blood, I think you're absolutely right. We've had uh, 40 years of pro-life legislation. We we." You know, kick the can ten yards ahead. It seems to get kicked back five yards, and, and we're making incremental progress. But after forty years, seriously, are, are we really at a place where we think that uh, this government, no matter who we put in office, because listen, you know, we've had Republican majorities uh, in, in in the House and in the Senate before, and they made no progress on this uh, issue, uh, this national disgrace. Of, of abortion. So what I'm saying is the church needs to rise up and the church needs to say to the Supreme Court, uh, whether it's the, the U.S. Supreme Court or the state Supreme Courts, you people do not make law. Let's get that through your heads. And then we need to start holding our elected representatives' feet to the fire. I mean hold them to the fire. They need to pass laws that outlaws abortion, period. And until the church rises up and demands that, and look, don't tell me that we can't do it. Nobody gave Donald Trump a a, a chance of winning this thing. Everybody thought the fix was in, uh, and, and and I'll even admit, Doug, even though I prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, please spare us Hillary Clinton. Because she would just finish this off. What what Obama started, uh, Hillary would have finished this off. But Pastor, can I ask God, you, uh, per, Pastor? Can I ask you a personal question though? Did you, in your heart yes. of hearts, believe? Okay, um, did you, in your heart of heart, hearts, believe that Trump would prevail on election night? I I'll tell you what. My wife and I prayed. We prayed all evening. We sat and watched the uh, the returns coming in. And I thought, well, this is kind of amazing that uh, he's he's uh, still a little bit ahead. At 10.30, uh, Kathy and I prayed, and we said, Lord, this is in your hands. I pray that when I wake up in the morning, Donald Trump will be our president-elect. There won't right. be any issues. There won't be lawsuits. There won't be recounts. There won't be this or there won't be that. And we went to bed. And and I slept just fine. And I have to admit, uh, in my heart of hearts, when I got up the next morning and I 
picked up my phone and I went to the internet, I was expecting to see that the Luciferians had pulled it out. And I immediately uh, praised God when I saw the results that, that Trump had won. Because clearly, to me, and, and I think any any man or woman that has the Spirit of God living within them knows that God has given us a reprieve. Now, I, did, yeah, I know yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. this angers the, the never-Trumpers. And I don't even want to talk about Hillary supporters. I, I could, Those people are deceived. They're demonically oppressed, if not possessed, which I believe Hillary Clinton is possessed of, of, of a demon, if not a legion of demons. And, and I'm not afraid to say that. I've said it from the pulpit. So, um, But I'm talking about the never-Trumpers now. I'm talking right. about those folks that are digging their heels in and doubling down on their on their pride and their egos. Uh, I think they're missing what what God has done in our midst and what He wants to do. But let me share a a, a passage of scripture that I thought of um, immediately uh, after I saw the results that Trump won, and this is from the Old Testament. This is Second uh, Kings chapter six, verses uh, eight through seventeen. It says this, Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place. For the Arameans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now, of course, this is the story of Elisha. For your listeners, this is the, the man of God is Elisha. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, "Will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel?" One of his servants said, "No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom." So he said, "Go and see where he is, that I may send and take him." And it was told him, saying, "Behold, he is in Gotham." He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he, Elisha, answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So I think, Doug, that our eyes, those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear, our eyes and our ears have been opened. But we've got to pray that the Holy Spirit will guide our hearts and our minds and our efforts in proclaiming the gospel, every opportunity that we have, now's the time to press in hard, folks. Now's the time to be courageous. Uh, it's no secret that the remnant, the redeemed remnant, not just America, but the entire world seems to be spinning out of control. We started our conversation talking about that, that how crazy things seem. Even though it's a mess, though, one thing is still true. It's not out of God's control. Sometimes we're tempted to despair, but let me remind
Corinthians 2, verses 7 through 12. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. That, uh, in my opinion, accurately describes the folks that we're seeing out there in America today who just can't seem to make it through a day without breaking down and crying at the thought that Donald Trump is our president. These people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. My you know, here in all of this. Exactly. Though, exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. Well, well, well you, you had mentioned earlier, too, uh, about, you know, uh, uh, spreading the word of God. It's amazing to me, what you just said just now, those people need to hear the gospel. They don't need a can of Play-Doh. They don't need a safe spot. Right. They don't need, a, you know, a binky. And, and, and honest to goodness, there was a, uh, or is a college campus, I saw a report actually passing out, um not, I mean, they're not advertising this, but but the uh, blankets and pacifiers. Now, I don't know whether that's symbolic or whether this is a college campus. But you know what? Yeah. I believe they should be given copies of the New Testament, copies of the Constitution, and a and a smack on the on, on their bottom. Uh, okay, that's kind of yeah. what I believe. It, not necessarily in that order, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, Doug? If it wasn't affecting the rest of the country, I would be laughing at these uh, Marxist progressive college professors because they're getting exactly what they brainwashed these young people. They're getting exactly what they've done. It's their just rewards. Um, and if, and again, if it wasn't for the impact that it has on the rest of the nation, I would think it quite humorous that it's 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 affecting the rest of us, and uh, of course we know where that's coming from too. Those things are uh, are, are are not uh, organic; they're not spontaneous. It's not real; it's fake. I think it was Nancy Pelosi that called um, uh, the, uh, the conservative the grassroots Tea Party kind of pushback uh, astroturf protests. Of course. She was completely wrong about that. But these are astroturf protests. We know that these are being funded by by globalists and other organizations who who uh, will profit from anarchy, and that's exactly what we're seeing today. That's that's right. Now, to be fair, okay, the the, the core uh, the, the core groups are being heavily funded and it's well organized yeah. it's not organic it's yeah. not spontaneous they'll pick up stragglers which you know and and the stragglers are the ones that, okay yeah well this is spontaneous well no those are just tag along idiots that, 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 that you know just see a crowd and you know they, they walk up you know with their mouth agape yeah. looking at, at all the pretty yeah. colors so anyway right. <laughs> well, you know 
on to the spiritual boot camp uh, for this weekend. I'm going to be talking much more on, on Psalm 2, but, but what we see in Psalm 2, Doug, is we see a picture of, of America, really, of any nation or, or any people, uh, and, and why things are in such a mess. And, and the answer is, quite simply, that they've rejected God. That's, that's the message of, of Psalm 2. So I want to share that with your, with your listeners and make a couple of comments, and, and, and uh, I think I'll see the point that I'm trying to make here. Psalm 2 says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their feathers apart, and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. The ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the sun, that you not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. I'm looking at the clock, Doug. I have another seven, eight minutes, maybe. You do, my brother. You actually have nine minutes, 18 seconds. No, I can get, yeah, I can get her done. I can get her done. <laughs> Here's the commentary on Psalm 2, and I hope that uh, your listeners have their Bible open and they're following along, because this is really a remarkable picture of what we see. When we ask what's wrong with the world today, well, what's wrong with the world today is that they've rejected God. People ask, well, what can we do about that? Well, the answer to those two questions we're going to find in this, in this chapter. Uh, in, in these 12 verses, the psalmist very clearly describes a very timeless truth. What happens to people when they abandon God? So I'll call your attention to, to verse 1. It says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The King James Version says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? It's interesting, Doug, the word there for uproar or rage, depending on the translation that you use, comes from a word that describes a snorting horse, a, a, a war horse, uh, knows that battle is looming, he's, he's stomping his feet, he's ready to go after it. So the picture there, the intent is that the nations are in an uproar at a very frenzied pitch. They're snorting and stomping their feet. They're making quite a demonstration. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? In verse 2, though, notice it says that the leaders of those nations, the kings and, and the rulers, that they've taken counsel together. Now, that means that the leaders of the nations have coordinated a plan. They've strategized their attack, and uh, that attack is against the source of their frustration and, and their aggravation. We don't have to guess who that is, because in verse 2 we're already told that it's the Lord, it's Yahweh, and his anointed, who is Jesus Christ. Now notice in verse 3, the reason for 
this rebellion against God and against his anointed son, Jesus, is that the nations refuse to submit to the rule of God. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. What we see there, Doug, is, is plain and simply a rebel heart that loves sin and refuses to bow the knee to God. So back in verse 1, let's tie this together. Back in verse 1, the psalmist asks why people are devising a vain thing. But we find out that that vain thing is imagining that they can throw off God's moral law, his righteous rule, and be better off for it. That's the vain thing. So the world as a whole has embraced this idea that each individual, each group of individuals that, that together form communities or nations, they can be, in and of themselves, moral Samson's. People have imagined this, this arrogant and vain thing that they have the power and the ability to throw off the moral fetters of God's wisdom and love, and that they have the power to resist God and create for themselves a utopian paradise where God's not necessary. Well, we've been witnessing that very thing right here in America. And I could go through the list of court cases, uh, throwing out prayer, throwing out Bible, ruling that uh, abortion is constitutional, removing the Ten Commandments, uh, refusing to defend uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, and then and then ruling it unconstitutional, but ruling that sodomite unions are now legal. We could go on and on and on. The people in America have thrown God out. They've decided, they've been deluded, that they can make their own moral standards. And they say, really, in their own words, this is what they're saying. We want to be free to commit every kind of sin that our minds can imagine. We want to be our own judges. We want to be our own gods. We don't need God. Now, the tragedy we, in all of that's that... That's right. That's right. The tragedy no, I, I in all that, Doug, that we Go know... Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the tragedy in all that is that this freedom that they think they have by throwing God out, it's really bondage. It's really <laughs> bondage. They're selling themselves to Satan, and he is one that is not going to allow them ever to be free. So we can pick it back up on the other side unless I've got some more well, time. Well, no, you, you, got, you got some more time. I just want to comment on that. Uh, two things that come to mind. And I know Coach Dave, uh, as well as Flip Benham and others talk about this. You cannot make a moral wrong into a civil right. I know that's kind of tangential to yeah. what you're speaking. That's um, yeah. you know, but, but it, this also goes back to the delusion as well. Um, the, the great delusion. It, it, it's just, it, it's all of everything that you're saying is so, uh, is so, What's the word? Maybe prescient to today's events. Um, yeah. These are all intertwined. Uh, yeah, you got a couple yeah. of minutes. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Well, so what is God's response to all that? <laughs> you know, He's got a response. Yeah. And we see that really two two separate places in this psalm. Uh, the first response we see in verses 4 and 5, notice it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. So, derisively, he's mocking, he's scorning the, the pitiful state of, of these rebels. 
they think they can disobey God uh, with impunity. They, they don't have any repercussions. Uh, we can do this without consequence. Western, uh, Western Americanized Christianity has, has really downplayed the fact that God is a holy and righteous judge, that he will respond in wrath and fury towards all of those who reject him. And that, that grieves me to have to say that, Deb. But many, for many Christians, the gospel message is all about God's grace and mercy and love. But what are you going to do when you come up to somebody who's pretty happy with their life the way it is? I don't really, I don't need God. I mean, my life's pretty good. Unless you explain to them the fact that we are all born sinners, every one of us, and that that sin separates us from God, unless they can grasp that truth, must they become concerned about that to the point of being broken and remorseful for that and cry out to God in repentance and confession? They're not going to be saved. That is the only way that anyone is ever born again, is through recognizing their sin and asking God to forgive them of that. So God, God mocks them. That's the first response. The second response is in verses 6 through 9. And I, and I want you to see these points. God says that I've installed my king in verse 6. And what that is, that is an offer of salvation. God is asking them to turn from their evil ways, confess their sin, and accept his king, his anointed one. In verse 8, we see that, that God is offering redemption and reconciliation. And then in verse 9, he says that Christ will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He will shatter them like earthenware. So what we're seeing there, there Doug, in in um, uh, Psalm 2 is a wonderful presentation of the gospel. It answers the question, what's wrong with the world? Well, what's wrong with the world is they had rejected God. They've rejected his moral standard. They've rejected his son. The only way to salvation is Jesus Christ. And until they understand that that's what they've done, until they, in repentance, confess and receive Christ by faith, then this world is never going to change. That's where we're Amen, at today, Pastor. In America. Wow, that, that's a good uh, a good uh, uh, waypoint there. That's the, and there it is. Um, it involves repentance, recognition, and then repentance yeah. and seeking. Wow, well said, uh, folks. You're listening to Pastor Mike Spaulding, his website soaringeagleradio.com and the transformingword.com the transformingword.com and be right back stay right where you at to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank you so much for listening to this broadcast, spending your three hours with us. Even if it's on archive, I want to thank everyone who's listening in North America, South America. We have listeners actually in North Africa. Yes, we do. Um, All throughout Europe, where it's uh, either really late or really early, depending on your point of view. Thank you. And, of course, uh, we have uh, Indonesia, and all throughout Central America. So we're covering the, the, all the bases. The thing is, 
what uh, what we promise you is never to squander your time and never to make you regret spending three hours with us. Hopefully we leave you better off than when you came into the room or when you allowed us into your room, your car, uh, wherever you might be listening to this from. Before we get back to Pastor Spaulding, I, I just want to remind everyone, uh, yesterday we had Eva Gonzalez on from TradingPostInTheWoods.com, TradingPostInTheWoods.com. You know, we asked her to come on because she's got solutions. Uh, she's got things that, and I, and I want to be careful how I say this. We can't really say, we can't use certain words, all right, because but you know how it is, right? Uh, at, at Trading Post in the Woods, they teach people and equip people how not to be a victim or the pro, uh, not, not to be a victim of the problems when crisis happens but instead to be the solution. For example, imagine yourself having a medical emergency and not being able to to call 911 or get to the hospital. What do you do? It's a do or die, die or try situation. Trading post in the woods. I like to think we hand-selected them. They might have hand-selected us. But we, I like to think we hand-selected them as the solution that we'll, we can provide to our listeners. Um disaster relief specialists these people know exactly what to do in a disaster in fact 17 uh, 20 disasters in 17 years or i mean it's just incredible a whole bunch of combined experience uh uh years decades of combined experience but they've learned that most of the disaster victims don't have enough food don't have enough water to survive let alone any uh, medications or medicinals i should say to save their lives they've created a uh, Simple Survival's American Heritage Remedies Kit, specifically for our listeners. So what I want you to do, folks, bookmark and at some point go to tradingpostinthewoods.com, tradingpostinthewoods.com, and they are, you can contact them, request a consultation. They're very open, receptive for you, our listeners. Mention you're a listener of the Hagman and Hagman Report. They've got a special package for you at tradingpostinthewoods.com. I've put it through its paces. 100% satisfied with it, tradingpostinthewoods.com. Our guest tonight, Dr. Michael Spaulding, his website, thetransformingword.com. Very informative website. And, of course, soaringeagleradio.com. Pastor, final segment, about 20, uh, 25 minutes. Going to give it all to you, sir. Doug, I appreciate that. And let's, uh, let's buckle up. I, I tell, tell my, uh, fellowship that I have the blessed privilege of, of pastoring and shepherding. When it comes uh, down to the final minutes of the sermon, and I haven't gotten as near far as I like, buckle up, because we're going to stomp on the accelerator and try to get through this. Psalm 2 gives us a, a picture of the spirit of the age. That, that was my point in sharing that. Uh, it, it, it explains and it answers the question, what in the heck is going on in the world today? Well, They've rejected God. That's the problem. And they think that they can replace God with their own morality. We see that all the time. That's what Psalm 2 does. But there's also a, a bunch of pictures in the scriptures of the remnant church that God uh, is and, and, and will use. And, and I like the picture that we see in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And of course, that is uh, Christ's words of encouragement to the church at Philadelphia, and he says this, the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, he who is holy, who is true, and that's the key of David, who opens and no one 
will shut, and who shuts, and no one opens, says this. And that's a key phrase there, so I'll come back to that in just a minute. But Christ says to this group of believers and, and this church of Philadelphia, the characteristics that are being described here, I think that's the church today. It's running alongside the church of Laodicea. Now, that's, that's the duality that I, I've spoken about before. The church of Philadelphia is the remnant church. The church of Laodicea is it thinks they're rich and have need of nothing with the, the big campuses and, and uh, well, I won't go down that road. They know who they are. They're the Laodicean church. And, uh, and so two types of churches, two characteristics. That's the visible organized church that thinks they're saved and they're not actually. And by the way, let me give a disclaimer. There are large churches out there that are being faithful to the Word. I don't want people to think that I'm saying that, that any large church is somehow being unfaithful. That's not what I mean when I say that. But the Church of Philadelphia, Jesus says this in verse 8, he says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, what this means is, and, and I'll tie all this in to our eyes being opened up as in the story of Elisha, God saying, Church, are you awake now, or can you hear me now, is he has moved upon this nation, and I believe as an answer to prayer. I have never heard so many people confess publicly that they were praying that God would show mercy and grace toward us and put Trump in the presidency. It was just amazing to me to see all of these people. So it was widespread across our nation. But notice here to the Church of Philadelphia, Jesus says, I'm the one who opens doors that nobody can shut, but when I shut them, nobody's going to open them. Jesus does that. And so to this church, the remnant church, the church that's alive and ministering today, Jesus says, I have put before you an open door which nobody can shut. That's the time we're living in right now, Doug. The remnant church, the true believer, the spirit-filled believer needs to get busy doing, not just hearing, but doing, feet on the ground, manifesting their faith, sharing the gospel, speaking against evil. That's what we need to do. And this is why we have this power. This is why we have this open door. Because Jesus said to this church, you have a little power. That's the first thing. You've kept my word. That's the second thing. You've not denied my name. That's the third thing. So have a little power. Dunamis, you have power. It's a little power. What I say, that means, my understanding of that from my study, is that God says, Jesus is saying to us, the remnant church, you understand where your power comes from. You have Holy Spirit power. You understand that you're not doing this on your own. It's not because of your wisdom. It's not because of your numbers. It's not because of your wealth. It's not because of any of these things, which, by the way, is what the Church of Laodicea was bragging about. They thought that they had arrived and they had all these things. Jesus says, no, no, no. You understand that anything that is accomplished in my name for my glory and honor is because of the Holy Spirit in you moving and directing you. So that's the first point. Second point is, the remnant church is going to keep God's word. You have kept my word. Doug, it is tragic. The number of churches in America today who call themselves churches and they consider themselves Christians, 
But you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody walking in with a Bible, and in a good many of them, you'd be hard-pressed to find a preacher, pastor, who would open the Bible and actually read and then expound on it. You'll see and hear everything but that. The remnant church, the spirit-filled church, is going to keep God's Word. And then finally, you've not denied my name. Now, a lot of people automatically think, that, well, that's talking about persecution. So I put the gun to my head, yeah. Are you a Christian or not? Oh, no, I'm not going to deny Jesus' name. Well, certainly, that, that's one extreme. But I think this passage of Scripture, that statement, you've not denied my name, I think that matters in the little things of life. You know, there are a lot of believers who are really practical atheists. I mean, they have a profession of faith. They say they believe, but you wouldn't know it by looking at their lives. And I think that believers who are not active, who are not sharing the gospel, James said, listen, faith without works is dead. There's something to be said about a believer who makes a profession of faith, but they're not involved in any ministry, they're not doing anything for the Lord, and they're certainly not sharing the gospel. That's denying the name of the Lord. And I think that that is the remnant church that's alive and well today, and I think we've got power, Doug, because the Holy Spirit has given us that. So we've seen a dichotomy here. Uh, Psalm 2, what's wrong with the world? Well, we've got a bunch of rebels uh, that have denied God and thrown him out. But the remnant church is still alive. That's Revelation chapter 3. God has heard the cry of his people. That's my belief. And he has given us a reprieve. But that means that we have to get engaged in our culture like never before, and to uh, the point that I made in James chapter 1, we've got to be doers of the Word. Uh, I've got a, got a prophecy of my own, Doug, and it's this. I think that many will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the next few years, and I think that they will come to faith because Christians are going to get more active. Christians by the thousands are going to understand that we are living in this day and age for a reason. We are here for such a time as this, the book of Esther. And I also believe that there are going to be a lot that are going to be the Psalm 2 people. They're going to reject that. What we're witnessing, in my opinion, Doug, in the protests against Trump's presidency is a very clear picture of evil, of wickedness, of corruption, and of deceived people on a large scale. I, it, it just boggles the mind uh, that so many people, especially young people, were were clamoring for, and still are, apparently, for a, a child-murdering, sodomite-affirming, anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-liberty, freedom, a lying extortionist. They were clamoring for this kind of person to lead this nation. What Hillary Clinton became to the left, to the progressives, to the cultural Marxists, was an idol. She was an idol, an evil idol, to boot. Now, I could go into uh, Jeremiah chapter 6. I think I still have time to do that. So I'm going to paint this picture. I want to paint this picture, and then I'll wrap it up with some words of encouragement call your listeners' attention if they have their Bibles there, Jeremiah chapter 6, starting at verse 9 through 15. And this is what it says. Thus 
says the Lord of hosts, they will thoroughly glean as the vine the remnant of Israel. So he's talking about judgment here. Pass your hand again like a grape gatherer over the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed, and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary with holding it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the gathering of young men together. For both husband and wife shall be taken. The aged and the very old, their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. Far from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down says the Lord. Powerful. There are uh, powerful, powerful words from the Lord. And, and uh, what's being said there, God's describing the judgment that's about to come upon Judah because of their idolatry. But, but God is gracious, even to a sinful nation, and, and he appeals to them to repent and, and to return. And that's, that's verse 16 of Jeremiah 6. Notice it says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, in our context, uh, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Yeah. We want to tell people about Jesus. Tell them how to be saved. But notice what the response of the people are in Jeremiah six sixteen. The last part of that verse says, but they said, we will not walk in it. How did this this obstinance toward God come about? How does a nation turn from God? Well, we see that in Jeremiah chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Here's what the prophet says. Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes that do not see, who have ears that do not hear. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, as eternal decree, so it cannot cross over it. What, what God is saying there, Doug, is that even the sea knows its limits. But you people don't seem to understand your limits. So I'll go on. Though the waves toss, that they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain in its season, both the autumn rain and the spring rain, who keeps for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these away, and your sins have withheld good from you. For wicked men are found among the people. They watch like fowlers lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men like a cage full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore they have become great and rich. They are fat, they are sleek, they also excel in deeds of wickedness. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the orphan, that they may prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the poor. So I shall punish these people, declares the Lord, 
On a nation such as this shall I not avenge myself. An appalling and a horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority. And my people love it so, but what will you do at the end of it? Wow. <laughs> Folks, the only way that we're going to make America great again, and this is the most, if you don't remember anything else I say tonight, please remember this. The only way that we're going to make America great again is to fall on our faces as a nation and repent, and then demonstrate that repentance by turning from evil. And let's start by turning from the evil of child sacrifice, the Holocaust, the abortion. I believe uh, that the remnant will repent, and they will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live boldly and courageously in the face of, of evil that is gripped America. But be prepared for those that will not. And that's that's really what Jeremiah has to say to us in, in, in verse uh, 17 of chapter 6. It says this, God says, I will set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But here's their response, Doug. They said, we will not listen. We will not listen. Well, guess what? When a people will not listen to God and he sends warning after warning after warning, only judgment follows. And that's what mm-hmm. verses 18 and 19 of Jeremiah 6 say. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their plans, because they have not listened to my words. And as for my law... They have rejected that also. So what's going on there, Doug, is a very similar picture um, to what we see in America today, a nation that's turned its back on God and said, no, listen, I don't want to leave your listeners on a note like that. So let me give them some encouragement. Let me give them some encouragement. We do live in some very, very dark times. But... First, folks, you're listening and you're a born-again believer, and here's what you need to do first. Revival starts in the house of God first. When we get our act together, then we can be useful for the kingdom. So, folks, here's my encouragement to you. Seek the Lord with your heart, mind, soul, strength, everything you have, your entire being. Seek the Lord. And then read Psalm 1. Let me give, let me give them that. Uh, read Psalm 1, folks, because in that psalm, what you're going to see is you're going to see a picture of the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think I have time to give these four points real quick, don't I, Doug? Oh, sure you do. Yes, yes, go ahead. Okay. All right. So here's, here's what we see in Psalm 1, and I'll just, I'll just read it real quick. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever it does, he prospers. Now I want the listeners to pick out these these four things here, four things. Those who belong to God, those who are Christ followers, those who are disciples, those who want to seek the Lord with, with their heart, mind, soul, and, and strength. It says, first of all, that we're going to have, notice in verse 1, we're going to have a, a crowd-resistant mentality. 
It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That means that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not going to listen to the world. The world is going to lie to you. The world is deceiving. So the true believer in the Lord Jesus doesn't listen to the world. But also notice that the true believer doesn't go with the world. We don't stand in the path of sinners. We don't go where the world goes, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So we don't do what the world does. We have a crowd-resistant mentality. That's, that's the first point. The second point is in verse 2. Notice that it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So, folks, be encouraged by this. The man or woman that belongs to Jesus that follows Jesus is blessed when they develop a one-track mind. It says delight there, it says meditate in that verse, and they both relate to reading and studying the Scriptures, the Word of God. And, And so I would encourage folks to spend time in the Word of God. Spend time meditating upon it. And when you do, you're going to be drawn closer and closer and closer to Him. And then the third word of encouragement there is, is found in, in verse 3, that the man or, or woman who is a Christ follower, who will be blessed by God, is going to have deep roots. And those deep roots are going to provide stability and vitality in their Christian life. Here's what it says. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. So we become stable, we're firmly planted, we are have a vitality to us, we're, we're fruitful, and, uh, and green leaves is, is the picture there. It's a very beautiful picture. And then finally, the fourth word of encouragement for your listeners tonight, Doug, is that the, the man or woman who is a disciple of the Lord Jesus who is blessed is is blessed with justification, is blessed with sanctification, is blessed with glorification. And that's by contrast in verses 4 and 5. Notice it says that the wicked are not so. So all of these things that, uh, that the psalmist has just talked about, he said, now in contrast to that, the wicked do not have these things. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. So they have no standing before God. But what is our standing before God? Well, we see it in contrast. The wicked can't stand, but we have standing because we are justified. We are justified in Christ. But along with that justification comes sanctification. Sanctification positionally, we're a child of God. Sanctification experientially. Uh, Paul said to the Philippians, work out your faith with fear and trembling. So there's positional sanctification, there's experiential sanctification, but there's also ultimate sanctification, and that's glorification. That's when we go to be with the Lord. That's eternal life. And that is what is is stated in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So again, by contrast, the blessing of the disciple is that we have eternal life with the Lord Jesus. Beautiful picture, and I hope that that encourages uh, your listeners tonight, Doug. 
Oh, I, I'm, I'm certain you've provided a lot of information and now inspiration. Absolutely. Thank you. Pastor Michael Spaulding, thank you so much. Uh, his website is the uh, transformingword.com. That's the transformingword.com and uh, Soaring Eagle Radio. Take part too, as Christians. Take part in the um, in the events this weekend. CoachDaveLive.com. Check out the uh, spiritual boot camp. Put some boots on the ground. Pastor, thank you so very much. Thank you for being a, a blessing to our audience tonight. So Doug, it is my pleasure and, and honor to join you again. And thank you uh, for the invitation. And uh, may I pray for your for your listeners? Yes, go ahead. Sure. Do I have time to do that? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. Well, let's bow our hearts and our heads. Father, we are so very blessed to be your children. We're thankful, Lord, for the salvation you've given us in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that if there are any who have listened to this uh, conversation tonight and they have never made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them, that you would bring conviction into their life, and you would give them an understanding of who they are before you without Jesus. And, Father, you would draw them into a saving relationship right now. Father, I pray for this nation. We're embarking upon a new chapter in our national life together. Many of us, Lord, believe that you've given us a reprieve with President-elect Donald Trump. Father, I pray that the church would not sit back. They would not think that its mission accomplished, but instead they would get very busy. They would be energized. They would be focused, Lord, that we would be bold and courageous in our proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Father, I pray that you would spare America the judgment that we've read about uh, tonight in this conversation. Father, I know that ultimately, ultimately, we know the end of the story, Lord. We've read it in the book of Revelation. We know what's coming. But before that, Father, I pray that you would energize, fill your remnant believers with your Holy Spirit and help us, Father, day by day to be faithful to live and to preach Jesus Thank you for Doug and Joe and the Hagman Report. Father, I pray your favor upon them. They will continue to have an impact across this nation and actually the world, other nations listening, Lord. And I pray that many, many would be those who would come to faith in you through their efforts. Thank you, Father. We love you and we ask Amen. these things in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, indeed. God bless you. Pastor, that'll do it for us tonight. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so very much. God bless you, God. Thank you so very much. All right. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. My goodness, <clears throat> what a, what a, uh, information packed show and inspiration as well. Tomorrow night, you gotta tune in tomorrow night because we are going to be identifying, um, the Illuminati Luciferian aspect of the players behind the globalists and those pulling the strings of the puppets of the Obamas and the Clintons. Doc Marquis is going to stop by tomorrow night and uh, in fact he's got a revelation uh, to make. <laughs> yes he does. You're not going to want to miss this. Spread the word about that folks. Until tomorrow stay safe and remember We've got to stand in the gap. We've got to fight 
We've got to stand up and say, not now, not here, never again. Till tomorrow.